E B E Ole Talking Plasmaship Telepathy Contact Ivana Podhoreskia and Alona Podhoreskia 27th October 2018 5 Peter Anthony Finn Screenwriter It appears that some starships can shrink in size conversely expand in size Is this true and is it done telepathically? Answer from EBE We have got our technology to create information into our fields, crops we're sending robotic spears to this task so the small orbs are also expanding to a larger ship in the shape of our original ship. We do this by using formulas, our program, information imprinted into crop circles, into fields. This is how we can program contraption and expansion of our ship. Our orbs and ships are changing. Everything is one in one computer in this direction. Telepathy is on different bases for development. The energy and using plasma, every ship during impact, landing and entering above, up your atmosphere, under atmosphere. Every ship changes itself, his program in a computer and changes its plasma as to be stable as possible and possibly to change its shape to a smaller axis, axle track, a larger axle track. Every plasmatic part of the ship has driven his axis to rise above about the surface. On the surface of our ship can turn off plasma to a lowest frequency to keep the stability preference prevalence on the way back. Everything is controlled by, by the program. Plasma and um, by us so we can accomplish and achieve what we have to, to achieve. We use telepathy between ourselves themselves. We sound like young Falcon. For people this sound is unusual. We reduce hertz below 21 and young Vulcan as it, if it was its sound. 21 hertz is unpleasant for to human ear. You've been listening to EBE talking. Year 51. A5 UFO encounter of Diana Fultz. While in her early 20s, in the mid-1960s, typist Dana, Dana Folks would witness two UFO sightings. Each occurred as she drove along the A5 near her home in Shrewsbury, Shropshire, in the United Kingdom. What's more, as it will come to light later, another local resident had similar encounters at the same spot. The area of these bizarre and mysterious events on the A5 is more is only wildly Ridley speaking, a stone's thrown away from RAF Cosford, the site of the most well-known and most credible UFO encounters in UK history. As, as the report of Diana Falls was brought to light by the larger community, UFO community, by a UFO researcher and author, Red, Nick Redfern, during his work, time working in his native United Kingdom, he came across the cat and National Archive, the governing body, Behind the report, Prospite and security services were based at controversial Rodale Manor at a time of the incident, a place of apparent secrecy and cover-ups of many UFO and conspiracy circles. <coughs> a bright circular object on <coughs> the Mumford Bridge, as she was driving an A5 road towards a family <coughs> home from Shrewsbury, <coughs> 20-year-old Dyer's <coughs> Vokes, with <coughs> events of fascinated and 
in otherworldly. It is about around 2am she was approaching the Mudford Bridge which stretched over the River Severn. Suddenly the entire area was light around and lit up. The source of this sudden glow of light was a circular object which was almost directly overhead. She watched the object for only a second or two late before fear and adrenaline kicked in. She pressed down hard on the accelerator, now in a hurry to reach her own destination, to alarm, to alarm the lightly lit object followed her. It remained at some height and distance, but all the while it casually pursued her vehicle. When she finally arrived home, she ran from the car and averted her parents. Both of her mother and father witnessed a st- strange dish-shaped craft from the garden of their home. The craft made no sound of any kind and glowed on a yellow, pale yellow colour. After 30 minutes, it rapidly began to get smaller and smaller. So it did so, it began to change to orange-red glow until finally it was gone. All three witnesses were soon the object speeding away from them. Though Dan and Paris were largely keep sighting to themselves, a similar report occurred, episode occurred, they would seek advice from the military, razor lights administered to electric shock sensation. Almost exactly two years later, on the 8th of November, 1966, Dynamo encountered what seemed to be the same craft. What's more, the encounter would take place at the same spot as previously. Just prior to midnight, she neared the same bridge, the glowing round craft appeared in the sky overhead. This time, however, it much lower to the ground than before. Dynamo report that she could see the rays of light emanating from the airborne vehicle, as she did had before, though somewhat calmer. She continued her journey home. As before, the object followed her, maintaining the same distance throughout, at least initially. After several minutes, a strange craft suddenly approached the vehicle moving car. As it made its way past, the lights on the inside briefly penetrated the vehicle. She was described feeling a bump against the side of the road car, while the same moment feeling a, the same moment feeling a sensation like electric shock in the neck. Simultaneously, left hand side headlight went out. The object would cut back away back away again and then maintain its distance before vanishing. Slowly after returning home, however, Madonna would again feel very ill for the rest of the evening. Military denial connection to Mr Griffin. Two days later, her second account on the tenth of November nineteen nineteen sixty six, Diana's father would contact Flight Lieutenant Williams at RAF Shrewsbury. He wished to be. He wished to know the dormitory shed any light on the incident following along the A5 that left his daughter frightened by the object in the sky. This was, he reported, the burn marks on the left side of his daughter's car, proving that something was somewhat certainly off over the road that evening. A letter dated late for November would arrive at the folks' home, and the fourteenth it, it, in it, it informed them that no service aircraft had been flying in the area. Time and incident. Not that Diana seriously considered the military as being behind the bizarre sightings, though she wasn't sure exactly what she'd seen. She believed it was a it was probably connected to another local resident, Mr. Griffin. According to her, Diane, Diana, and many other terms, but Mr. Griffin was reported to have made contact with the occurrence of these bizarre objects. Furthermore, there were some. There were some claimed he and some got inside the otherworldly vehicles. Further still, the contacts of Mr. Griffin taking place in the same bridge where Diana witnessed the glowing disc. The incident remains unexplained. It is, however, far from the only 
you have a sighting in the region of the United Kingdom. One of the earliest recorded UFO sightings in Shropshire was occurred in September 1912. On the evening, special constable Phillips, along with his mother, witnessed an orange bottle globe-shaped object in the skies over Stratham Hill. It would change, hang motionlessly for some time before eventually disappearing. In August 1963, just over a year before the first of Diana Folk's sightings, Kevin Bing reported seeing a green fireball in 30 hours. So bright was the object outside that it woke from sleep to find his entire room bathed in green wash. It would then put the object that remained in light sight for five seconds before the sun is vanishing from the sky. U.S. sightings in support region seemed to explore the late 1990s and continue abundance today. Many reports describe an upper triangular cross with lights on each corner, glowing circular crafts. Many reports also speak of yellow, orange or even white lights. Activity of the area of United Kingdom is beyond doubt. For the most part, though, there are sightings of faraway craft. Two cases in the summer of 1981. Alien Dutchens on the M85 at 1981. Perhaps one of the strangest encounters took place on the evening of 16th of July 1981. Three friends, Rosemary Hawkins, Viv Hayward and Vivian Valerie Walters, were driving home from Salisbury to Elford. With each, with, when each of them noticed strange lights overhead, Viv, who was driving, would increase her speed. It was soon apparent the lights were following their vehicles. They would, they would head towards Telford Police Station to report the sighting. It was only when they arrived that they discovered a 20-minute journey taking them just short of an hour. All three of convinced something had happened during the half an hour or so. They couldn't remember so much so that all three agreed to, under another regression, accounts of floating towards a metallic object, as well as four-foot aliens with robotic voices were practically identical. As for the drawings they produced, perhaps one of the most interesting details was all that they described feeling big and clumsy, maybe suggesting a drastic altering in the perception, astrophysic conditions, or even the reality. Over four days later came another most almost identical case that occurred in almost the same location, referred to as only Tom, main witness of travelling along the same point in A5 as for three disco goers. As he did, a very strange light lit up the sky in three shops, which was just above Tom, describes craft as looking like a double-decker bus, all eliminated. It made motionless for some time. Then a blue light emerged out from the underground side of the craft, reached towards the ground, turning a shade of green as it did. The next thing Tom knew, the craft was speeding out of sight, electrical pace, electrifying pace. It was then he realised three... It was then he realised three hours had gone by. The Forgotten Cosworth UFO Incident On the evening of the 10th, 1963, a little after 11.30pm, a craft seemingly from another world actually landed on the grounds of RAF Cosworth. What's more, the incidents were witnessed by several personnel, at least according to the rapidly increasing rumours. Military also d- Minty didn't do themselves any favours either by putting out continually contradicting statements to the press. One would state that nothing at all had even occurred. Another said the sighting was mistake due to two drunken apprentices. Yet another claimed the incident to be nothing but a hoax. While another would claim 
a steamy train responsible for unmistakable claims of UFO landing. Not surprising, many UFO community begin to ask if the UK ministry had to hide. This is Area 51. You've been listening to the A5 UFO accounters of Diana Folks. Area 52. Tony Dodd's UFO sighting has sparked an alien investigator. Tony Dodd is quite rightly still viewed as one of the leading UFO investigators in the UK ever since his death in 2009. Not only for his influential critical in organising of independent UFO research in the United Kingdom, his influence is global with the international reach of his observations. Don was not a long, lifelong UFO or space enthusiast. At the time of his first sighting in 1978, he was an all-future police sergeant, a highly respected one at that. Dodd would continue to see that these mysterious crafts however, during the last decade of service with the police. In 1988, he retired from the force and actively investigate UFO sightings full-time. He would not become an expert in such encounters, but an alien induction and sickly conspiracies they revolved around them. Incidentally, these sightings would result in Dodd capturing a photograph of the object, sent it for analysis of the great ground source of watch in Arizona, the GCSW were largely viewed as genuinely incredible, perhaps in part due to their having the nerve to take on the CIA in court over the freedom of information. This action has exposed many cover-ups and no longer be seen as just conspiracies. Dodd's photograph was not only confirmed to be genuine, with no chance of being that but hopes that all his distinction of being the first confirmed photograph of a UFO from the United Kingdom. In his opening chapter of his 1999 book, Alien Investigator, Todd would write about the first time he was witness to a UFO sighting. It ran to 13am. He was driving around the lonely roads of Skipton as part of his supervising the night patrols. He would, uh, he would most nights, he would head with him a beat officer who he picked up a short while back as much for company for himself as to give the beat officer some time off his feet. This particular night a call came over the phone police radio regarding a fanatic housewife whose husband had not returned home. Her instincts had told, told him by the time he arrived at the property the husband would be home so all the worse for too many a re- recent tongue lashing from his right angry wife. Even so, their duty van investigated the report. They returned the vehicle into the quiet country road as a shortcut to the destination of the village gunnery. The, the, the roads are narrow, and at one point, the seat curves in, in them. Facing Dodd to keep his speed at the, to maximum, at one, on curve, at one of these curves, both men noticed a glow of light round the corner as there were no buildings around this cooker road. Policeman confronted, expected to see the oncoming vehicle. As they turned around the curve, each one was confronted with a massive disc of dome shape at the top. It also had dark, small, round, dark potholes along the side, as well as skeleting at the bottom. Dodd slammed the brakes on the police car. As the vehicle came to an abrupt stop, each man was clearly would now see clearly the underside of a disc. Dodd would write half three 
three half spears protruding from underneath. A triangle visible. Dodd and the best new young beast officer opened their car doors and stood looking up at their fascinating craft. It moved about twenty miles per hour towards some woodland in the distance. From the vantage point, it seemed to be descend, and only now a glowing ball of white light was visible to each. Eventually, they two disappeared. After a moment of quiet decomposition, both men have turned their seats inside the car. As a quick discussion about the object might have been, Dodd started the engine. They drove forward. Dodd now, in two minds, continued his original destination of pursuing the strange craft. Of course, he could locate it. For several minutes, lights again came up in the distance. This time, it's headlights of another police car. As the police vehicle went, met, they stopped alongside each officer. They, they, each officer, their windows, doors, their driver's window down, winding down, winding down the rear windows. Did you see it? Did you see it? Said came and said, divided the driver with another police car. Dodd informed him he had. Police, three police officers, strange notes and ideas for for going on their duties. Dodd would, would continue to investigate the missing husband, who was a suspect, no longer missing, but continuing continued to put his wife in his wife's good books. He returned to the station to make contact with Lee's Bradford and Manchester airports. Lee's, Lee's Bradford radar was shut down in the night, and Manchester had no records of any unknown crafts. Dodd would continue his shift at finishing 6 p.m., but not, but not able to keep put the sight seeing out of his mind yet. Did you see it? Did you see it? Said the sighted voice of the police car. Dodd had fallen in the head. There's a few cars explained notes and ideas going on their duties. Dodd would continue to investigate the Mr. Hubbard, his suspect, was no longer missing, but certainly not in his wife's good box. He returned to the station and made contact with Leeds, Bradford, Manchester, Fultz. Leeds, Bradford, radar was shut down on a night at Manchester, no records of the unknown crafts. Dodd would continue to his shift, finishing at 6am, unable to put the sighting out of his mind. Dodd would have many other sightings over, over this last decade, and with the police force, he would bring people with him at Elkhurst were eager to see these strange acquaintances, appearances for themselves. Although Dodd didn't actively seek about, speak about his work, mo, mo, most close to him knew of his interests as well as his sightings. One time, for example, his son-in-law, Anthony Grant, who accompanied him in the Yorkshire Moors, they negotiated the quiet country lanes, eventually arriving at a hill, where Dodd would directed the vehicle towards the as they reached the top, a large cigar-shaped object filled the view. It's hovering silently and lit, lit up and down to the line of lights along its side. Dodd would state it was as they waited for us. Two men stared in awe at the huge craft for several moments. Then a bright light emerged and it began to ascend, eventually disappearing from the sight. Another occasion, this time, the two colleagues were pulled out in the mall late one night when they were around three or four hours and began to look at the nothing consequence with the current place. Dodd would step outside the car to stretch his legs before planning on driving home for the night. He did so to immediately notice a huge craft hovering silently directly overhead. It was brightly lit by many colours, like fascinating very lights of Christmas tree. Dodd would never would late, state, state later. His two witnesses were vacated to 
to the vehicle, and the three men stood watching an elevated craft. On another occasion, the two were too crazy, parked in the late mall late at nine. They'd been around three or four hours before they could look through nothing concurrence to take place. Doug would step outside the car to stretch his legs before planning to drive home at night. As he did so, he immediately noticed a lot huge craft hovering slightly directly overhead. It was brightly lit in many colours, like fairy lights and Christmas tree. Doug was late to stay. His two guests were vacated the vehicle, and all three men stood watching the overwhelming craft for several moments. They then shot directly upwards at a lightning pace and was gone. One bitterly cold morning late 1968, a little after 4am, Dodd would experience another sighting. On his usual patrol duties, Riverbeat officer in the passenger seat, the police car was hampered by the fact it had been snowing incredibly heavily for several hours. Because of this, they focused at slow little speed consistently as they travelled along the narrow and twisting roads. Suddenly, they appeared atop of them many hills in the area. Both noticed a bright light in the farmer's field below them. Realising even the most ardent farmer wouldn't be out this time in the morning in the apparent river, Doug brought the car to a stop and watched the light. Almost as soon as he did, the mysterious craft began to move. It remained low to the ground, shivering around the surface with the grace of a champion ice skater. As usual, there was no sound audible. Both men watched the object as it made its way over the fields, eventually disappearing into the distance. Dodd would continue to drive out onto the moors, and just when he... Not just when his police duties called for him to do so, but quite normal for him to spend several hours, four or five times a week, sat watching the skies for otherwise lonely spot in the north of England. Perhaps more informally, he usually did see something. That this, I began to realise, was perhaps not coincidence. Perhaps whatever the intelligence was behind the crafted craft, they, they were subsequently calling him to the moors, which is, with, with his... Well, with his hand, he decided she attempt to make contact. Dodd would, try, would take to keeping a powerful torch in the glove box in his car at all times. Whenever he was in the moors, he would see the mysterious crafts. He would stop his car, flash his torch, the object, and attempt to create some form of basic communication and acknowledgement. One seven morning, 1982, somewhere in the early hours between dusk, the acknowledgement came. That morning, Dodd and two friends, also with an interest in UFOs, are sitting in Dodd's parked car on top of the moors. Each class of last cup of coffee intent to ward off the cold, breathing the cold. Dodd opened the car door and stepped out to walk around for a moment or two. He let out all the glass with both brought out the two other men. Above them, a large black triangle object with small coloured lights in the shape of a diamond. 
with underside covered above them. The crowd began to move upwards, prompting Dodge to reach inside the car and revert to the torch. He quickly flicked it on and off several times before pointing it towards the craft. Then, much to his disbelief, craft performed a sweeping new turn, came back to where the man stood, and hovered for no less than 30, 50 feet above them. He was so close that he could see the erectile effect of the mineral of the windows. It would like on them to the obscured grass look used in modern bathroom windows. Where an amber light amber beam of light was underside changed from amber to white and black again. This repeated several times and it's a very obvious and underrent response to Dodd's signals. The signals Dodd had been Dodd had been experienced for several years already. It's increased following the encounter of December ninety two. They only reinforced the motion that it was not pure chance that Dodd was present when he appeared. But again he wondered whether his decision to keep running to the returning to Mord was his or one place in his mind by high intelligence. On the evening of the seventh, november nineteen eighty three, Dodd interviewed his wife Pauline during another account in Dodd's own words. Like this evening, she largely viewed his sky-watching as harmless hobby. At little before 8pm, they were driving towards Bolton Abbey and Eglinton. Pauline suddenly exclaimed in surprise, My God, have you seen that? Dodd had t- turned his attention to where the wife, to his wife's wife gaze was. She could see his graph overhead for soon hundreds of tiny red lights. These crafts would pulse on and off simultaneously. As a married couple watched the craft, it would sweep down towards them. After pass, passing closely over the top of the car, it made its way towards the free stop that ran along the side of the road. It soon out of sight. Pauline would then would describe the object as similar to a child's spinning top, with certainly fewer husbands sighting were more significant than mere hobby. The craft would then reach soon and may emerge and go straight towards the still packed pack, pack, car. He's not travelling on speed, however, which gave Dodd ample time to reach out for the camera he, as he we, he kept in the car. As it was moving towards their vehicle again, Dodd snapped several shots of craft. It would be one of these features GCW would confirm as being authentic and genuine. Tony Dodd's influence and the global UFO community remains, and his work is still valid. Perhaps because he's not anti-UFO community, and he puts key notions, or even the interest of the subject combined with his valued skills as a police sergeant, while his work of most credible and valuable. Dodd, still several other, like several other researchers, believe part of scientists were choosing of some kind. He would state that he would like to do this, have to do this thing think about UFOs and that they happened to appear. As well as they went on, he believed a subtle telepathic connection between him and intelligence between these strange crafts developed. He began to believe that their faults were not summoning him, or more, or it, merely they were summoning me. Well, so you've been... Here's a little bit with a tiny dog speaking for the mid-90s. It was 20 years ago, it's a long time, 1978, when I was a police officer. 
actually had a confrontation with one of these things when I was uh, uh, a, a, a working police officer and um, I was on duty one night in 78 when me and a colleague actually had a confrontation with one of these things. Where was this? This was commonly near Skipton in North Yorkshire and uh, we, we, I was driving a police car, he was the observer and we came round a bend in the country lane and there was this thing sitting in the air in front of us and uh, it was absolutely stunning to see. It was a huge disc, about 100 feet in diameter, had a dome on the top of it, uh, with what appeared to be portals, darkened portals around the dome. Um, it had a skirt in a, um, around the underside and uh, coloured flashing lights, which were flashing on and off, almost like a neon uh, sign effect. And there was three large um, globes or balls protruding uh, from the underside, they were spaced evenly on the underside. I stopped the car and we got out. Uh, there was a very, very heavy, heavy static that come on the police car radio at that time. Um, I don't know the cause of it. It may have been because of this thing was there, but um, it would be right to jump to conclusion. But this static suddenly set up on the radio and uh, uh, I got out of the car, both of us did, and we stood there sort of open mouth looking at this thing. And it slowly moved away from us. But despite it, uh, despite its enormous size, there was, there was no um, sound coming from the damn thing. Oh, the only sound that we heard at that time was where it was displaced in the air when it started to move away from us. And um, the thing was, though, it was, it, was absolutely, it was absolutely beautiful to look at it. I, I couldn't help remembering at the time. Uh, thinking what kind of engineers put something like this together because it was absolutely extraordinary it was and that's what got me into the thing because I was determined I was going to find out I mean I'd uh, not so long been out of the RAF and um, my last postings I'd been on air, air force bases where they were testing the very latest um, technology in aircraft and at that time the aircraft of the time which we were, were, were under test were the uh, lightning because um, we had a, it was a lightning station where I was on, and the Canberra and that was our most advanced technology at the time. They were only testing them at that time, they test flying them. Now this thing was years and years and years ahead of anything like that. It was no question about it at all. It, uh, it was something that we hadn't got and I knew it from the moment I saw it. The advantage, of course, would continue to maintain that all such accounts of so-called alien abductions are foolish nonsense. How would you counter these? Well, first of all, it was the skeptics and debunkers that said that the world was flat for 300 years, uh, despite um, some of the top scientists of the time saying it was round. It's very, very easy for a skeptic or debunker to turn around and say uh, to people who've done years and years of research, this is absolute rubbish. It's very, very easy. This is what they do all the time. And, of course, when we say, well, you, you prove to me uh, that what I'm saying is rubbish, and they all will turn around and say, well, it's not for us to prove that you're right. Uh, it's, it, it's not for us to prove that you're wrong, it's for you to prove that you're right. And uh, so we're always going to be faced with this thing, and as much information as you put before these people, they will do their best to pull it to pieces. Um, but the facts are the facts. Uh, particularly uh, if we talk about things like um, alien abductions, uh, where there's such a, variety, a wide variety of people being involved in this, and I'm talking about highly intelligent people, and a great many who know nothing whatsoever about the subject, we're getting them all over the world, as you well know. People who are very, very backward are not in touch with the media and things like that, and they're telling the same stories. Now, is everybody imagining the things? Uh, is everybody making these things up? What are they to gain, uh, uh, particularly these sort of backward countries, by saying things like this? But that is not the point. It's the facts that point to abduction, and there are so many, many facts which are occurring repeatedly. 
which I'm absolutely convinced they're taking place. Finally, there are people probably watching this interview and wondering, is this man for real? Are UFOs real? If you could look at that person right now, what would you say? I would say, first of all, seek and you will find. But don't just condemn this subject without investigating it. It's very, very easy to turn around and condemn things just off the top of your head. We've put a lot of time and a lot of years into this investigation. And I can assure you, without any question of a doubt, that aliens are here, aliens have been here for a long time, and aliens are in contact with various elements of the military and other um, countries, uh, diplomats. Uh, it wouldn't be prudent to me to say any more at this time, but if you, you can believe me if you wish. If you don't believe me, well, that's entirely up to you. But I gain nothing by saying these things. Only these are the things that uh, I have uncovered during my investigations. Hi, you've been listening to Area 52. Tony Dodd UFO sighting that sparked an alien investigator.